Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good elevenses, good tiffin, good whatever, whomever, animal, vegetable or mineral, whatever state of decomposition I find you in. Welcome to Agitators Anonymous. This is Alan Averill. And this is part two of a conversation with Josh Barnett. Um, We left part one with um, something to do with having your head fucked up. Who knows what that was about? It was about politics. So if you want to go back and listen to the end of part one, this will inform you from whence we start. So this is part two. Go over to patreon.com slash Alan Averill if you want to support the show, uh, support me, whatever else. Um, there's demos, there's unreleased this and that and the other and bonus podcasts and all sorts of stuff. www.hatecouture616.com for some evil apparel t-shirts and all that kind of thing. Free shipping. Go and have a look. Use the promo code... Alan. And if you're in North America, metalblade.com. If you use the promo code AA Podcast, you will get 10% off. So there you go. The two ad reads, etc. etc. Instagram is Nemthianga underscore primordial. Join my bot army. We're making preparations. We're having um war games, all sorts of things preparing for the big day. Um the big drone strike day. Shouldn't have said that, but here we go. All right, Josh Barnett, part two. The whole conversation um, in its entirety will be up on my YouTube, so you can watch it from start to finish. But for technological reasons, the rendering process does not allow for such a long podcast. So here we are, part two. Josh Barnett, get in there. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. But I also think that um, the failure of the institutions of the state... Um, and, you know, the broader, I suppose, in Europe, the broader European Union project to deal with um, the pandemic has made me sometimes um, closer to the arguments of people, let's say, on the far left sometimes, who have Mm -hmm. been, um, you know, raging at the same institutions that maybe I would have, um, I won't say defended in the past, but elements of it now I am sided with them because this this whole last year has been such a botched response by an obviously broken system that I found that the people who I would have been, not say diametrically opposed to, but at least standing um, foot 
looking at things from a slightly different angle, I kind of go, yeah, I see your anger at this system. This is the same system that has spectacularly failed to uh, to um, deal with this yeah. situation. That Look, I you remember when we, our last conversation, yeah. uh, I talked about the fact that be it uh that that people how they how they react from that this feeling will differ but but generally everybody generally has a a kind of thing in their gut telling them that that things aren't actually people the systems aren't accountable mm. um they're not actually doing the things that they said that they're going to do that they're not um that it is a rule for the uh, for me and not for the yeah. i mean these things were obvious but then from that you know based on their their tribal orientation and their ideological bent you know they'll they'll displace it into one thing or the other i mean it's yeah. bringing up the organism uh, governmental or even non-governmental organizations these giant uh bodies body politics that were supposed to uh rely on for for proper meaning towards certain instances like let's say with pandemics would be the who uh well you can go and look through the corruption of the who the 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 stuff that they will do on behalf of china how they will you know won't accept taiwan how they got things wrong or outright lied early on and they could just keep changing but but the, but what happens is things like the WHO take a tribal side yeah. and they take an ideological side with that. And so then it just becomes, as we've become so much more tribal, yeah. uh, not to say, and I'm not here to be against tribalism to a degree. I'm just saying that we've gotten so far with our heads up our ass that we, you know, we, we think our, our, our rectum is somehow <laughs> uh, the defenders of, of, of peace and, uh, you know, order and it's like nah you're just you're just smelling your own shit bud yeah. you know but but uh so right. you can go look at this and they just they just throw it away like oh no all my all my meaning making apparatus for all this has told me that it doesn't matter and they've thrown it under the rug and who cares you mm -hmm. know when my when vox says oh you know don't be an idiot it's just going to be the flu it's just that it's just this Blah 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 blah. You don't need to wear a mask. And then they delete all their tweets about it and everything. And it's like they they toe the line with the WHO. And then if I don't know if you know Fox was saying never wear a mask and you don't you know it's just the flu. And then they you know everybody just acts like they had no part in in fucking this up. And yet also I maybe maybe also there there's no there's no forgiveness for being wrong anymore. Yeah, that's and, that's one of the that's know, I, very important thing. Yeah, they said I, I wouldn't if the if the WHO was 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 legitimately just wrong about something. Let's let's just remove the guy who got installed there from Ethiopia by the Chinese government or any of that shit. Let's just say the WHO is an actual mostly pure organization. All right, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Just say you made a mistake, but then we on our hand have to go okay. Who are you that you are so perfect that you could never get this wrong, especially with something new and unknown and you've never dealt with? Sure. You know what? But, but they have been running. I, I agree with you. I think that I think that these institutions have perfectly played us, uh, uh, the public, yes. to, to not forgive each other when we should actually have forgiveness in our social canon, our, our, You're so, right. our social language. But they um, they've been, you know, um, They've gone through the pandemic, um, I guess the, the, you know, the, how we say, procedure over the last amount of years. They've run the, the numbers. They've, you know, already run their pandemic, um, I suppose what you call it, um, pilot pandemics over the last 10 years. is not the right word, whatever, you know, but. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're models. They've ran these models on things. Yeah, yeah. So they, but when you're dealing with the lives of X amount of people, then. Um, they should, of course, try and get these things right. Of course, they don't. But it's a different sense in the forgiveness between people. I think what I was trying to say was, though, that um, my level of forgiveness for the people who I would have politically disagreed with in the uh, two or three years ago now has been more, it's uh, greater than ever. Uh, oddly enough, oddly enough, this, this fucking brutal situation, this uh, self-isolating situation, has given me a little bit more uh, altruism with people's anger, even if I think it's still misplaced mm. from the other side. I'm not sure what yeah. to do. I'm not sure what to do with that. 
because I, all I can concentrate on is that um, society, you know, that I, again, I think that democracy has been paused, civil liberty has been suspended in favor of health and safety or well, we don't have, well, I mean, I think if anything, this has just shown that we don't have democracy. We haven't had democracy. There's no democracy in the West. That doesn't exist. It's a, it's a, it's a fairy tale. It's a fable. We, you know, uh, I, uh, Robert Michaels' Iron Law of Oligarchy is in full effect. And uh, Burnham's interpretation of Pareto's elite theory is in full effect. It is absolutely obvious and above board. And if you understand these concepts, you, you will see it at plain as day, you know, there is no democracy. There is no democracy in the West, period. It's nothing democratic about it. Um, if you, there is no truly holding any systems accountable for anything that they do, uh, there's always a way at which they can excuse it. And for some reason, uh, we allow it to be excused. And maybe part of that is because we don't really have any power to change it. We can't vote our way out of any of this. Well, I, I mean, I would say that prior to this, I think a form of democracy um, was, you know, was evident to, across the West. Now, it depends on the levels, of course, of endemic corruption and all these other um, factors that contribute to that. But it's still in Ireland, for example, Ireland is one of the oldest social democracies in the world mm -hmm. and that never had fascism and never had communism. Um, and, you know, the people... Yeah, I learned this on a podcast. I learned this on this podcast I listen to all the time. Yeah, yeah. So there's like, <laughs> and we have this thing called um, proportional representation, single transferable mm -hmm. vote, uh, which only Malta, Canada, or Cyprus or something use. But we do have, I mean, the, there is a democracy in place in Ireland, but, um, and, it, uh, you know, it, it, it moves and swades, let's say Italy might, um, sorry, Italians might have, a, there might be slightly more endemic corruption um, through history than other countries. Well, well, let me ask you this much. If you were to run for the uh, the badass black metal party and <laughs> you, uh, Alan Averill, Averill, how do I say that last name? You can say it as Averill. Averill. Um, what makes you think you'd ever be able to garner even hardly a single vote? I mean, because here's the thing. While the, while the, the, the parties themselves let's say they wouldn't directly, they couldn't exactly stop you. They couldn't say, well, you're not allowed to be voted for, but what they would do is they would run a massive campaign through all the media outlets through everything else. They would, they would try to go through, they would have somebody sit down with every album, with every lyric you've ever written. Course, yeah. They would go through that. They would, they would do everything they could to basically say that, well, if you vote for this guy, he is a weirdo, he's terrible, he's evil, and everybody who associates with him is evil. Of course, but They'll try to find every picture of you standing next to somebody that, yeah, yeah, that you know, course. once did, did a thing. And so of they course. would effectively all rally behind their narrative of, of ensuring the, the, the power of the elite sure. and the way that the institutions are already created to make sure that you were never, ever a viable candidate. I do, I do understand that, and I agree. But I also think that um, two, I think the two points of view in this circumstance can be um, both true at the same time. Like at the moment we have one, um, one independent TD standing up to almost the entire government opposing lockdown. One guy, and he makes the news every now and again. And he, mm. he stands up and he goes, we need to talk about civil liberty and this, that, and the other. And the whole rest of government goes, ugh. But he's still there. And he's still on the news and he's still got people galvanizing some form of public support now me of course our baggage that we carry with us to this point where we might get into politics might make it difficult or it might appeal to a certain demographic but i agree with you it's probably going to it's probably going to disavow or disavow. Well, well, my whole thing is not necessarily even your particular allen baggage i just For mean sure. like you know not definitely not your your forays into new york Okay. <laughs> uh, as I've as I've listened to with much yeah, glee yeah. on on this Agitators Anonymous podcast, yeah. which is, uh, by the way, one of my absolute favorite listens. Oh, thank you, uh, sir. Period. I, I think that you are not only an amazing musician and frontman and lyricist, uh, but your your knack for for <laughs> this 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 yeah for this. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, anyway, what am I saying? What am I saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, yeah, I, I, uh, I, it I, would I, be, it would not just specifically you, it's just that you are not a part of their circle. It's the I George Carlin. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big world. And you know, it's a yeah. big, it's a big, uh, uh, it's a big group, but you ain't in it. 
And I so agree. the fact that you ain't in it would mean they would not allow you to be a part of it. I, I agree with you, but I think that I agree. Um, but I also think, I also do believe that not everything is a hundred percent theory in this in, the, in this regard, and that there are, there are people can appear from out of nowhere and break the system here and there. Uh, yeah, across, we've across, seen it. We've seen it. <laughs> yeah, of course. But uh, but now we'll look what we're dealing with. Um, yeah. Across uh, Europe, you know, we. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, across Europe, you can see there is fluctuating different parties and this and the other. It's just in this particular situation, which is this health emergency. The mm. let's say if we consider some of the powers that be, whether it's malign or benign, remains to be seen ish. But certainly when there is an emergency, they can pause, they can go pause mm -hmm. on democracy. And like all the things that have happened to us, whether it's it's the lockdown, it's the vaccination process, all these kinds of things, none, none of them, like in the UK, they've put 65 new, apparently 65 new legislations, none of which have been even put to the floor of parliament mm. or even discussed. Like we passed through something like 20 to 30 new laws for the police here uh, about two months ago or something. And they gave um, opposition, um, uh, politicians an hour or less or half an hour to read the dossier so to speak or whatever it is and no one opposed it because no one got to the hilt of the argument uh, and so all of these they call it sunset clauses which means mm. there's no there's no real end like there's no like give, mm -hmm. the, give these um what are supposed to be um temporary powers to the guards to enforce um fines and regulations on people but they don't they're open-ended so we've we, we're like, we've been like hurrying through. So I, I totally accept your point, but yet at the same time, I don't believe I don't believe it's a total farce. I believe it's uh, a majority of a farce, but not a total farce, if you know what I mean. Okay, well, I, I'm just I, I'm a bit more pessimistic, I suppose, than you are. I, I, um, I, I don't know about I don't know about that, but I, I do think that I do think that there can be, for example, look at there can you can get a populist party who appears out of nowhere in a European country who can come and in a very democratic um, state or, or principled state, that's complicated, which has, let's say, more, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which has more than two parties that isn't a first past the post system, such as Holland or Belgium, mm -hmm. or even in Germany, like in 10 years ago, there was no AFD. Now there is an AFD, just as a bad mm -hmm. example, which will get me into trouble, but you can find yeah, other no, Yeah, by Europe. the way, talking about a group is not necessarily an endorsement of a group. Like like me saying uh, Obamacare had issues doesn't yeah. mean that somehow I know that whatever Trump care would mean yeah. somehow like that, that like uh, yeah. yeah so I mean all I'm just saying is that there are parties who come from nowhere in obscurity and they rise up on a wave of uh, a form of populism and they can affect politics but I do understand well, I mean for good or bad do they have any real effect well that, I mean how many of them even exist anymore so I mean mm. you know if you look at Trump. And his whole thing, I mean, that would be the probably the, the one of the biggest examples of just a populist outsider interest, you know, and this is not whether or not you think he was good or bad or uh -huh. on a personal or even political level. It's just it uh, it is obvious that he is a outsider getting into yeah. the, the political sphere of the elite. Uh, one, it was not appreciated. And, and this was not an, on either side. Don't 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 to fall into that bullshit idea that somehow Republicans were all. Per no, 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 no. They, they weren't really. They were just down for what it did for them. Yeah. Uh, Republicans are basically just Democrats going uh, a little slower speed. So um, there isn't really much difference. In, and, and I also say that because the, the policies, some of the policies that have been the most detrimental to uh, U.S. politics over and governance over time were not instituted by one party. Uh, they were they were either in, they were backed by both and or instituted by one and followed through by the other and yeah. continued by the, each other. And so they didn't they, they don't no one party can be like, yeah, well, you know, that one was the worst because no, no, no. You guys all got in on it together. You both are kind of seeing things moving in the same direction and you're OK with that. It's yeah. just you have little nitpicks about how fast it should go and who should get to be in charge about it. But uh, um, but yeah, so he was managed to get in there as a purely populist outside element and the absolute state of things went insane. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, trying to sitting back ever and just having a, just a purely rationalist uh, conversation about the nature of things and having to say, 
no, that's not what he said, or no, I mean, of course, I'm like Jesus Christ, don't don't make me defend, you know, this blowhard because yeah. you're just you're so only because I want you to speak from what is actually happening, just so that we can have a better viewpoint yeah. on how to view what's going on yeah. from not just the short term to the long term. But it, it just it was just mind boggling to me, and I just I, it got to be such a I'm like this sucks. I, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, are you making you have a, a contradictory statement? Like, oh, well, that must mean you're pro-Trump. I'm like, I don't, I'm not pro any of these people. I'm not pro them. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I'm trying to at least have a a the most objective place I could view what's going on from. And then following all this insanity, the, the amount of the one thing that that really stuck out to me with the pandemic stuff was the expansion of censure across everything it wasn't just that no we made a mistake or whatever it was that if they made a mistake it was like no it never happened we're going to erase it and then we're going to censure everything about it we're going to make sure that you can never speak of it we will yeah. try to deperson you in every in every way and we will essentially try to smear you at the same time so that no one will want to touch you for uh potentially contracting the same you know uh public virus that you have yeah i mean that's, know, one and most, that's one of the most problematic things with all of this is that one of the i think one of the structures with which we built our modern civilization on was the idea of due process the idea of um being able to uh you know be accused of something and defend yourself yeah. but like but like my my youtube channel could th let's say in theory it's just removed i don't know anybody at youtube you can't talk to anybody you're just you're right and so, you're not a big enough fish for YouTube yeah. to talk to you because they will talk to you if you have enough, uh, yeah. you know, if, the, yeah. if there's enough skin in the game to help you because it's giving money to them. If Here's were, the other thing. Yeah. Let's say YouTube says, uh, Mr. Mr. Averill, I hate your Aleister Crowley intro and blah, blah, blah. And you're yeah. banned forever because that guy was, you know, he's no good Nick. All right. Well, all right, I'll just, uh, I'll upload onto Gab or, or no, I'll upload onto BitChute or something. It's like, ah, now you're a far right Nazi because you're on that platform. It's like, whoa, 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 I haven't said anything different. I'm not pro pro proclaiming any uh, Nazi ideas or anything, you know, of that sort. But just because you use something that isn't YouTube, let's say, yeah. what, uh, you know, if, if it's not YouTube or Daily Motion, I imagine, if it's any sort of alternative platform, it's like you're an evil person. Yeah. If you had a parlor account, well, it's because you're a racist and all this stuff. And it's like, well, uh, how does that work? I mean, yeah, yeah. I imagine if you uh, if you have a if you log in on Stormfront, perhaps, there's probably you're into talking yeah. about racist stuff. But I'll be perfectly honest, back in the day. Uh, I remember Google searching my name or, or using that Google platform. Uh, there's a Google bot that will send up things when your name comes up. And yeah. uh, and my name came up in threads on Stormfront. So I'm like, OK, yeah. and I'm reading these things. And I it was to be honest, it was highly entertaining because they it was to see these people come on board and be like, yeah, look at this area and look at MoFo. And then for someone to chime in at the right moment and go, uh, his girlfriend's black mm. oh, at the time and then watch them just dismantle. And I personally, I thought it was hilarious. It's like, yeah, you racist fucks, <laughs> you know, keep, uh, you know, if, if you want to buy the fights because I'm on them, fine, put your money wherever it was, but I'm not, but it's just hilarious that through your own little ideological viewpoint here. Yeah. You end up shitting on yourself and it's great. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea that um, I argue with people all the time, um, Who's no, saying, yeah, I never. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they say that, like, I, I do think they say to me, hey, look, these are private companies. They can do whatever they want. And you go, yeah. well, I just say to them, OK, well, what city do you live in? What if what if I was uh, starting a company and it was called Alan Averill Parks and Company, Parks and Recreation, Alan Averill Parks yeah. and Recreation. And I bought every public park in your city and you weren't allowed in it. You'd be like, well, what the fuck? It, it, it's a public park that's where we go to that's where we go to meet that's yeah. where we go to i don't know traditionally put on a stand on a little plinth and you know lecture yeah. like at hyde park corner in london and oh, I what said, was it called the, the public square right yeah you know? the hyde park corner yeah yeah or, or you just go no i just went hey i own this and you could say oh well now it's a pub you know it's a privately owned company but it's a public space the idea that they can't be 
uh, considered public utilities, I think is wrong because what I find fascinating is the same people who 10 or 15 years ago would have said, oh, well, look, Robert Wack Maxwell owns all of these companies. It's an it's a kind of like a, a media oligarchy of the, you know, mm -hmm. are now not worried when all of the tech companies are owned by the same four or five people. And they, well, they're tribal they, again. That that tribalism, that gang yeah. mentality. Like it will come. Yeah. For them, it will come for them eventually. But the idea that the idea that you can shut down the public square of debate to a certain section of people and they won't return with pitchforks when they can't feed their kids because you've excluded them from society to me is insane. It's like you know someone could just unperson someone and then they don't have a they don't have an, an income a revenue stream or whatever blah blah. What are they going to do? Desperate people in desperate times, what are they going to do? They're going to return to that public square, I think, H forks and go, right, let's have it. And that, yeah, of course. And, and the more you you isolate these people, the more they go to yeah. Stormfront or wherever else, and they get in that echo chamber, and they never, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm here because they're well, shutting yeah. me up because I must be correct, or I must yeah. be hitting a nerve or something, and, you know, or they the, don't or, ever. Yeah, or, or the other side or whatever. You're pushing people again to the sides. And if they have, if you take away their ability to feed their kids, mm -hmm. i.e., because let's think about it, like I think about this a, a lot last week or few, two, is that if everybody's been corralled into um, remote living, working online, and therefore that purely depends on, let's say, six different platforms. And if you say something that is deemed, um, uh, you know, wrong think, and they just, they can pull your PayPal. Heretical. I, I prefer the term heretical. Heretical, okay. They can pull your PayPal, pull your whatever, pull your whatever. And then you could just be here with no way to pay your rent, no way to feed your kids, no way to whatever. And, and you might go, you know what? Fuck it. I'll take that fucking pitchfork and I'll head to the I'll head to the square. And the next time there's a gathering of people, I'm going to fucking. Well, think about this. Go. Not yeah. only are you uh, putting together this this con this 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 <laughs> you're putting together this scenario um, yeah. where somebody is being deplatformed. Yeah, but also think of the fact that modernity is also corralling us into this w mode of, of work and being where we have to use these things, where these yeah. are our outlets into the world now, especially, you know, mind even the pandemic, remove the pandemic uh, overlay and just simply think about how many people have migrated themselves into a more uh, social media, internet driven aspect yeah. of how they work and interact with other people. And now, if you take away the major aspects of those platforms and so now or their ability to make money through yep. these digital um uh services uh for for taking orders and what have you what are they left with like you really have put this person on an island and yep. of course they're going to look for some some island that 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 suits them that's going to allow them to hitch their boat up to it well i know? mean look, what do what do desperate men do I mean, you, you've got nothing more to fear than um, the aspirations of desperate men, as they say. Like, I remember like, if you go to Eastern Europe, uh, sometimes in my travels over the years and you go to a failed state. Like, oh, and so, Igor would tell you about this too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Igor, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That's a very good example. Yeah, I don't, nobody would know that reference, but, <laughs> but you and me. But um, yeah, but go from, uh, like, I remember going to, like, you go to Moldova or something. I remember being in Moldova years and years ago. And it was after they had like um, a bunch of part, I think a part of the military and the government stole like 10% or 20% of the GDP. They just stole mm. it, disappeared and fucked off. And Moldova is super poor. Super like, poor. It's the poorest one in, in all of the yeah, EU. It's, for it's, sure, it's, yeah. it's a crazy little country. Um, not without its beauty, but it's crazy. Great country. wine. Great and, wine. And, and lots uh, of, I'll tell you a funny story about that in a minute, but and lots of, and lots of Moldovans came here. Their blue passport got them into Ireland, but but the fact was that um, you know that they were uh, there was no sort of economic hope of upward mobility for people in that country, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea that well, like the idea that these were these sort of former satellite failed states which had absolutely no mobility, um, sort of rendered people um i'm not sure what's the right expression i have to edit this out <laughs> are you thinking about uh like a 
like a, a sense of hope or will or, um, you know, some sort of internal motivating aspect or, well, there's no promise of, uh, I guess I'm getting lost now on this. Well, what about, well, I think what I was trying to say is that, is that when you go to these countries um, and you see that there is no hope of, um, you know what, I can't remember what I was talking about. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, anywhere where, so that's a thing. If, if you don't feel like there is an opportunity to be able to construct the life in a way that's fulfilling to you, I would say. Uh, so if you can't, if you feel like you, you don't have the, the ways to create what is meaningful, you're going to, you're going to start to harness, uh, let's say, an aspect of sickness, right? A kind of a cancer. Uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest problems of modernity is that it has uh, replaced a lot of the things. Well, it's, it's too materialistic. It thinks that, uh, you know, science and, and rationality and reason can do everything. And it's like, well, clearly it can't. Um, you know, but how do we how do we create a marriage between what seems to be an unchanging element of human behavior and yet trying to to, to use our rational and, and reasoning brain to to work within that without just constantly going from one overarching myth to the other? Um, and you know, it's tough. I think I think one you'd have to read you have to read a lot of religion. And you'd have to read a lot of history to try and figure that out. Um, but uh, even says me, the atheist. But I'll, I'll tell uh, you. What, I'll, I'll tell you what. I I, I was. Um, I have a funny story about Moldova. Does a complete sidestep to what we're talking about because I was thinking, right. I was thinking about something and I had a complete a complete. Uh, you know, my train of thought completely went there, but I had this really funny experience in Moldova which I'll, I'll detour this conversation just for like three minutes, if you'll indulge me. All right. I, I, I'm all ears. Look, okay. I'm all ears. I'd lay it on me. Right. So I was in Romania. Um, so it's, it's Beautiful a long, place. I've had yeah. a lot of fun in Romania. Yeah. It's a long, it's a long, silly story, but I, I, I'll start with it. So we're playing in Romania. Uh, the, I was playing in Romania two weekends in a row, one with Dread Sovereign mm -hmm. Memorial, and I decided to stay on and go to Moldova and then Odessa on the Black Sea in Ukraine mm -hmm. um, and take the, the old crippled train round from Bucharest all the way up to Moldova. Now the story begins with me buying um, some kind of drugs or other in Romania with Red Sovereign and uh, having... I hope you have Palenka with you too. Well, and being in, um, being in, uh, oh God, I don't know, how do I start the story? Going to uh, Moldova to Chisnau, um and let me go back a minute. Kiznow in Romania or in Moldova has the second biggest uh, wine cellar in the world. There's okay. one in France which is bigger, and it's on the outskirts of Chisinau, which is a, it's like a super impoverished city. I don't know if people know, like quite how third world or second world it is. Like you can get in your car theoretically and drive from Moldova to Berlin if you really want to. I think that you know once the borders come down, but this is like a satellite Soviet country. Mm -hmm. That was um, that's in the northeast of Romania, between the not UK to mention has a, a high uh, Russian population over the length of being in the Soviet Union because uh, they pushed Russians into Moldova on purpose yeah. to try and make sure that it never would try to separate itself. Yeah, yeah. And so well, they would have better, greater control over the government. Yeah, I mean they have a there's a, like a ghost state called Transnistria, which I went through as well to get to Ukraine like a self-declared sort of communist military state, which you have to declare yourself. It, I, that's... <laughs> but I, All right. But I went, to, um, I went to a wine cellar in Kirkovia, which is in, uh, in Moldova, uh, just on the outskirts of um, the capital of Chisnau or Chisnau, whatever you want to say. And like you get this taxi out through the darkness out into this um, like suburb, like poorly lit suburb, and this huge like Taj Mahal sort of bizarre structure of this um this wine cellar very famous wine cellar and it's about 30 euro to get in and if mm. you've ever been in moldova that's about the equivalent in ireland of about 300 euro 200 yeah. euro entry so me and my friend were the only people to go in we descended minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and then it just endless corridors of just wine cellars and just wine everywhere and 
it's really, really strange. And I remember like one person showing us around and she's like, uh, there's this girl was like, and here you see Angela Merkel's wine. Here you see Herman Goering's wine. And I was like, what the, f what the fuck? Just, <laughs> wow, okay. Just like there. Yeah, you can see it on my Facebook pictures of it. And it's like a pile of wine covered in dust. And she is like, red wine does not depreciate. White wine does. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's just like, and she goes through all of these um, Nazis and leaders and people. And it's just a, what, this huge corridor of wine. And she's like, and here is Manuel Barroso's. And here is this. What the fuck? And like, literally, you're a foot away. You could break and smash everything. Wow. So so basically, all your favorite 70s dictators all have yeah. wine in <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the 1930s dictators. Yeah. And so they're all, all these wine is everywhere. And I said to her, like, because we descended long, yeah. long way. And I, she was being quite candid. And there was nobody else, obviously, had come there all week. And I said to her, like, this is a nuclear bunker, right? And she's like, in every... In every mockery, there is moment of truth. And I was there like, okay. And I said, so <laughs> so it's, it's How cool. Eastern European yeah. too. I love it. So I, I was shown it. into this, we we're shown into this big like dining mm -hmm. hall, a big dining hall. And just outside the door was all these pictures uh, everywhere. Like just like photographs on the wall of like Putin, Merkel, Manuel Barroso, um, all of these EU leaders and sort of IMF leaders just like hey, shaking hands, drinking wine. And she got, we're sitting there and she goes, it, uh, Putin celebrates his 50th birthday here. I was like, are you fucking joking? And she's like, no, they came here, uh, celebrate 50th birthday. And then you go, then I was sitting there going, okay, Moldova is so centrally positioned in Europe with almost no, uh, no press, no borders, no whatever. And you, you're, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, wow, this is where they decided the fate of Crimea or the fate of Gorno uh, oh, yeah, or whatever it's called. And you're thinking to yourself, this is where people gather to decide those things. And of course, my imagination was like, do, 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 you know, just going over. <laughs> the statue of Moloch or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, that's but outside were just normal photos. There's all of these yeah. people. Like, Who owns it, Herman Goering's wine? How yeah. weird is that? I, I will, in this, I will post post the photo to come up with the top. But yeah, Herman Goring's wine. So basically what happened is that the Russians came across um, uh, to, you know, across to Berlin and they obviously took a lot of things as they yeah. came across through uh, Germany and they sent them back uh, into the Soviet Union. And they also just took, you know, wine cellars, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, you can see this like, lit I'm not joking. Like she was talking and she goes, here is Angela Merkel's yeah. wine, like 100 bottles of red wine from 100 years ago. And she just goes, and here is Herman Goring's red wine. And it was like 24 bottles. And I said, how much is each bottle worth? And she's like, we don't know, maybe 40,000 euro. And so as I like, so that's like three, 400, uh, half a million euro of wine just within. It's definitely not the wine we were drinking last time. No. <laughs> but it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's within like smashing distance. The amount of like, I was yeah. there, literally, I could have just broken so much stuff. Of course, I, I have this thing of when I see lots of the same thing, I want to smash it. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a completely different. Oh uh, boy, you must be fun in yeah. like uh, a candy stores and things like that. <laughs> but that's basically where we were in this red wine candy store full of tyrants and despots wine. And yes, well, I mean, the world is full of fucking, in, 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 the Reality but, but, is strange red, enough. Red wine doesn't depreciate. So oh, yeah. Well, but you have to, unlike, say, whiskey, uh, you really need to make sure that the temperature and the environment is just so. And, uh, you know, even still old red wines can get to the point that they get, uh, even in the right environment, they get uh, crud that'll develop on the bottom of them and stuff like that. And I mean, I've had some old wines that were pretty fantastic, but I've would much prefer a whiskey. I'm just a whiskey guy. I yeah, love yeah. the, uh, uh, what do they call it? The water of life in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you something funny is that my grandfather was um, an RAF pilot. And this is like sort of completely like non-podcast nonsense. But people, I, it's funny stuff is like, he came over to Ireland in the uh, early 1950s. He was an RAF pilot. Mm -hmm. And um, the early Irish um, airline, Aer Lingus, had no pilots. 
because they'd nobody, they couldn't train anybody. So they brought over, I think, six to eight RAF pilots who'd flown in the Second World War and sort of housed them in Ireland, gave them jobs and all that kind of thing. But my grandfather was doing the first transatlantic flights from Ireland to the USA. And back in those days, you could bring anything back through customs, like mm -hmm. literally anything. So back, my grandmother, she's almost 100 and still alive. There is about six, seven, eight presses of booze from like 1950 to wow. 1985. Some of it, which hasn't even been opened. Whiskies from like 1960, gins from oh, wow. 40, 50 years ago. And we were looking them up, uh, you know, online. Some of mm -hmm. them, you're like, oh, this is, this apparently is worth 3,200 euro and all this kind oh. of stuff. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I have some decently expensive stuff, but nothing, nothing of that nature. I don't know that I could spend that kind of money on, on booze, especially when I know I can get stuff that's 40 bucks, that's amazing right yeah. now. Um, you know, like some Glendronic uh, 12. Uh, sherried scotch is fantastic. Uh, a lot of the like red breast and uh, teeling offerings. If we're going to keep it Irish, teeling, we're yeah. going to keep it Irish. We're talking about the Irish whiskey. Yeah, that's it. Teeling Distillery is not too far from here, actually, but it's quite nice. Uh, yeah, I, I I visited last time and oh, I got yeah, okay. the uh, distillery exclusive, which was a uh, teeling. Uh, I think it was a malt, it was a malt whiskey that they finish in a sherry cask, and you got to pour it yourself at cask strength and it, it's it's brilliant it was and i went on quite the escapade to drink as much irish whiskey as possible yeah. when i was there to yeah. try all the different brands but because of there's like a general consensus on irish whiskey that to the point that most of it just tastes like every other other one you know it, it's hard to find an irish that really stands out and above and with a different flavor profile yeah. uh, because the especially because of the tendency to to distill it, to triple distill it, and then to bottle it at 80 proof, at 40%. It kind of gives you the same run-of-the-mill kind of look. Plus, a lot of Irish whiskey is made all in one of two distilleries, and so you get a lot of the same stuff. But uh, the teeling, the old teeling stocks and the new stuff they're doing is fantastic. They're doing different uh, cask finishes, which is really interesting. And, uh, you know, even uh, Temple Bars, uh, a label made whiskey out there. The Temple Bar 15 was was absolutely brilliant. And I, I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for not buying a bottle of that too, but maybe I was too pissed at that point. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a Bulgarian when it comes to whiskey in the sense that um, whiskey to me uh, isn't like, very often I've been um, visiting my friends in Sweden or Finland, they've gone, they'll have gone, or they'll have mm -hmm. pulled down something from the top shelf and gone, oh, you know, you need, you know, the, the Lafroig, we'll, we'll have a mm -hmm. drink of Lafroig. And I'll go, listen, I'll tell you what, don't waste something nice on me. In a sense, I don't want whiskey that smells of smoke and tastes of earth. Whiskey means uh, wasp on the stereo, cocaine and fucking cheap bourbon. That's what whiskey means to me. Let's like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. anyway. it, so it doesn't mean, um, it doesn't mean like, but so mm -hmm. I think I'm a Vulgarian in this respect. I don't really appreciate these things well i could i could work to try and uh increase maybe your appreciation for whiskey but at the same time i'm also not going to stop 4 a.m apartment visits and yeah. with wasp on the radio yeah, yeah to the point that, yeah. yeah no it's uh i'm good with that you know it's a fun time in and of itself but tell me what what podcast could possibly go from obamacare to uh, moldovan wine cellars in the space uh, of uh, pretty much none and <laughs> and you know i guess on a broader sense, not that everybody needs to be this way, but that I think it's kind of an important point in that to allow yourself to be a well-rounded individual of some sorts. I mean, obviously there's plenty of areas that both you and I have overlapped. There's areas in which we have a more specific uh, a personal understanding that the other doesn't. And then you could take the two of us and write tomes of all the shit that we didn't know. But yeah, it's okay because as we, continue to work through whatever it is we're doing on this this journey of ours it's being open to to not only listening to the ideas that you don't like and finding you know some sort of empathy for those who, who suffer that are technically or could you could consider on your your opposing uh, way of thought but also sure. being open to whatever it, the world is willing to show you and what other other people are willing to bring to the world themselves to put out there and to to be 
able to, to partake in it and to realize that as uh, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that most people have more things in common than they have different. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe, and that, maybe that's what's so maddening. Yeah, that's absolutely, that is what absolutely maddening. I mean, the fact that, um, and this constantly comes up in my discussions with people is the idea that no one is allowed to be nuanced anymore. There is no nuance. No. You're not allowed to hold two, like, I, I, you know, I you explain to people like, I say from my point of view, you go, well, hey, look, I, I voted for gay marriage on one hand, but I hold maybe a conservative opinion about something else on the other because people are, well, they're nuanced and they have, they're, you're allowed to step on both sides of the spectrum and not really think about it too much. And the fact that we've lost our ability to recognize that um, you can hold to seemingly opposing points of view, which aren't, they aren't, yeah. they, well, they aren't really I, I, they aren't really opposing. They're just yeah. made, they're just made out to be now because everybody wants or they're it. just slightly different uh, interpretations, right? It's like 99, 90% the same, but maybe it deviates ten percent one way or the other. Uh, I would say that this is modernity. This is this is what uh, Nietzsche's Death of God. This is modernity. This is the the things that he talked about um, uh, in his writings that the and I would say you could extrapolate it to the lack of meaning making things means that other something else has to become your meaning making apparatus and so you know as you get stripped away from any kind of foundational mythos that is helping to guide you in the world uh you, you, of course the aspects of ressentiment become far more apparent especially now you've got social media and these these fake looks into these these manicured looks into the way the world is displayed to you I'll bring up one of your favorite terms, the algorithm. And, uh, and you know, I, I think about when you talk about the algorithm and, uh, you know, I personally feel like I'm not at mercy to my algorithm because I constantly doubt, uh, check and, and, uh, and fight with my algorithm. I don't allow my algorithm to tell me anything. I always, I always look at it as if, no, there's no way to trust you ever. And so my algorithm is something that I try to actively, actively uh, um, uh, collab, uh, um, cultivate so that I don't allow the things to just be shoved to me. I, I make a, a very deliberate choice to choose what I want to listen to and choose where I will go and choose what I want to be a part of. Because I, I realize that with this ressentiment, this algorithm, this algorithmic aspect will will absolutely do nothing but exacerbate it and try to put you in a, in a whatever that algorithm starts to become to put you into a cycle that you you need to draw from it more and more and more and that that will tell you at which way that you need to position yourself in the world and so you have all these things you're stripping away all this meaning and you get these people really if, if it's not if it hasn't been you know, religion of some sort for, for people for so long, then it'll be something else. And so now I think with social media, allowing the greater connectivity, the aspect of algorithms, the, the way to, to uh, insert propaganda so much more effectively and even innocuously into everything you do. Uh, and that now your, your meaning making apparatus, your new religion becomes your ideological position. It also becomes your, your tribe based on your ideological position, your political orientation. And so therefore you will take, you will take some in potentially even immutable characteristics of, of yourself and now use that as your guiding compass into what it is that you are in the world, but not really realizing that that isn't sufficient actually. And it's not going to provide you with all the things that are necessary to be a healthy, well-rounded, you know, a person that can that can understand who they are yeah. at their core and how that will interact with the rest of the world around them. I, I understand that, but I'm not sure that, I mean, without being condescending to, um, to, let's say, the general populace, I'm not sure that they have the time and space to consider. I, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying no, it's easy. I'm I just agree. saying that, you know, at the very start, you know, become more introspective yeah. and disconnect from disconnect from technology and modernity yeah, in a way. Like, like, you know, disconnect from the technology, get more interaction with, with you, the people in your life, but don't take everything to heart all the time. 
you yeah. know, allow allow people to say a thing. And if it, if it co- contrasts your views, be OK with it. Yeah. You know, at the very least, especially if it's your friend, realize that they don't do it to cause you harm. Realize that they're they're in their own paradigm and that you're all under a paradigm in and of itself. And so it's until you figure out how to get outside of that paradigm, you it's going to be difficult and that's OK. And you can't know everything and be OK with being wrong. Ah, yeah. yeah that's a good start. That, 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 yeah, that's a huge start. Get, just give me one second, actually. Hang on. I had to fuck with it myself. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I look, man, I, I get that it's not easy. Not everybody, not everybody's even probably has the sort of a way of thinking and personality to want to do that. But, you know, there's something about, there's something about the myths of, 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 of all peoples throughout the world over time that have been used to anchor them into something, you know, sometimes it's, it's a place, uh, sometimes it's, it's a, you know, it's a religion or it could be a, a story, uh, like a, you know, part of, uh, you know, one of the fundamental it seemingly things about uh, the Jewish religion seems to be some, you know, the aspects of the diaspora and also the, you know, the, the travel from here to there. And so, you know, it can be parts of these things. It, it could be a lot of different stuff, you know, I mean, human beings are capable of doing a lot of things in the world. Um, but they're, you know, we're no different than anybody who wrote the Torah. We're no different than anybody who wrote anything older than that. Like, I don't believe that human beings have, you know, if I can read the Hagakure and I can read Nietzsche and I can read, uh, or, you know, even going to the modern age, you can read uh, Viktor Frankl or, or, or Maslow or someone, right? Uh, you're not coming across new responses from, from humans. You're not coming across new ways of thinking. You're not coming across uh, new emotional uh, construct. No, it's all the same. It is all the same. And, it, and to be honest, it probably always will be the same. I don't think we're going to evolve out of acting uh, or having the feelings that we do or being, you know, I, I, I'm very much of the sort that says that, that he, people love often these days to say that, uh, oh, well, you know, uh, we can just construct society to be a thing or, you know, this is a socially constructed way of, you know, you think of this because society says so. And my argument would be society even gets to the point of saying so because of biology, because of who we are, because of what we stem from, that we're not going to approach the, if you look at religion, you look at cultures, you look at all these things across time and history, more things are alike than they're different. You know, you can go the Joseph Campbell route or you can do it in a different way. But the reality is, is that people's motivations across stories, across religious tomes, across music, it's the same aspects of, of mankind and their emotions and their conflicts and their overcoming and their deficits. And it's, it's the same. And we react the same, but technology exacerbates it it magnifies it, it increases the, the the rate at which it occurs and or uh can affect others right you know if you're in the byzantine empire you're not affecting china that much right and you if you are you ain't doing it quickly you're not doing it through a tweet you know someone's gonna have to get up and get their ass over there or if you want to decide to have a Varingian guard that ain't gonna happen. You can't send a, a DM to some Norwegian Viking or Swedish Viking somewhere and be like, hey, you know, instead of going over to Russia or going here, how about you come down this direction and, you know, we'll, we'll feed you well and all kinds of, you know, hot chicks and what have you. It's like, no, that, it, they just show up there and they're like, oh, fuck, what is this? Uh, I guess I'll call it the city of the, the middle of the world. But that's, I think that that's what, in a way, that speaks to a little bit of um, the circumstance of what's happening now in the sense that um, it, within one year to shut down the entire world and to separate people from their forms of humanism um, is such a drastic uh, move in relation to exactly the things you're talking about, which are our human inheritance. And so I, I, I do really find that in my darkest moments in relation to where we are now, um, in relation to this, that there fe- it feels like there's an attempt to completely turn now maybe it's just my exacerbation 
of, of the situation through my own pessimism and negativity and whatever. But there definitely seems to be an attempt to turn values that have existed for thousands of years on their head, which is, yes. you know, put people in their bubbles, alienate them, make them remote, um, you know, isolate them. And these are, these go against all of our human instincts. And that's the one thing that gives me sort of, I suppose, an element of, um, I'll say hope, but maybe hope is the right word, that human, uh, our will and want to be humans with each other can um, force this situation uh, apart or, you know, can end. Well, you know, interminable uh, uh, well, it's true. And if you even just, uh, you know, to, to use just like a, uh, a proxy concept, you know, every, a man once said every empire will fall, every <laughs> monument will crumble, yeah. but you know, what am I talking about? What, what am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think you're hitting something on the head. Um, we think that we can, we can, we can reconstruct the world, uh, based on, something some theory we come up in a classroom and it's like no it doesn't really work that way you need to you need to and and technology can't can't replace things that are essential to human flourishing well i i hope you not can't. i hope not. no yeah. because and that's what makes me consider many of the things that i consider about and when you're reading about whether it's the great reset or all these kind of things or yeah. the echoes of the things that you hear from politicians right. and the sort of technocratic institutions and, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, is this really an attempt to turn society and humanity and their way of relating to each other on its head in one year? And I think surely not. And then I look outside in my city and I go, wow, the city has been literally gutted of its spirit, its character, its personality in one year. And then you think, could they, could they really? Could they? I, think, I think what's happening is maybe the greatest overreach in history. That will have repercussions, but a part of me also looks outside and goes, "Wow, well, well played." If you wanted to subvert ah, yeah. and demoralize people to such a point yeah. where they're so scared to not leave their houses, yeah, you got to admire a well done, a well done plan. You know what I mean? And and it's like by design or I, I by accident, it's happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Klaus Schwab. I and and yo, okay, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know this guy. I'll never know this guy. Uh, I don't think he's likely to be an actual evil person. I don't think that he has any intent to do harm to the world. I don't think so. I think that people that write stuff like the fourth industrial revolution and, you know, that you will have nothing and be happy and uh, all things will be delivered by drones and blah, blah. I mean, I, I think that they, they feel like they're trying to, yeah, they think that they're trying to do something for the right reasons. I really do. But that, you know, uh, road to hell and all that kind of stuff and I'm sure there's a primordial song about that somewhere no so uh, um but nonetheless uh, you know i personally just gotta go no man that's i'm i'm not i don't want to transhuman you know everyone keeps going on about ai 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 how how what it's going to do and how it should be used and my thing is like fucking how about don't how about don't put ai or allow even you know if it had to come to the point like no ai cannot be the thing that you know, runs all your interactions in, in public uh, um, uh, uh, monetary exchange or like, just how about you just don't fucking do it. If you see if there's all these arguments that there could be a problem, it can replace all these, the, you know, the need for people to work and this like, well, how about don't, how about people need to do things? And so until you have a better understanding of what AI could do to be benign to our human flourishing and yet also uh a, a source of good then fucking how about don't how about you yeah, just don't i don't i don't think that's possible though because because i mean if you think i i think about it a bit like this is that even if you look at um charles darwin was aboard a military vessel mm -hmm. um, in that our exploration and our attempt to move technology along has always been linked to our military aspirations or all of these things. And so the idea that America wouldn't do this because China would, et cetera, still underpins, underpins our movement. But I, I totally agree with you in the sense that, um, I mean, having traveled extensively in Eastern Europe or whatever, there comes no good of angry young men with nothing to do on the street corners. No. 
that will only learn end up in ferment of revolution. And that's what you, you know you want to say to this, okay, however much we think it's benign or malign, the Davos set, and you want to go, really, you want to make 40 million young men unemployed across the European Union zone? That I just took that number out of my yeah, head. Yeah, and you, and you think that you can deliver something that will therefore also give them a meaningful way of approaching life? That's huge. That's borderline arrogant. It's, 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 it's beyond, I think it's beyond even that. It's that, that you can, okay, so it, uh, earlier this year, let's say last September, I managed to escape for a little bit and I went to Naples and I went to visit Keith from Destroyer 666 in, in, down near Milan and, you know, on his mountain where he lives, you know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, he lives on the side of a mountain. It's amazing. But anyway, I visited. Uh, speaking of Destroyer 666, new nocturnal graves from Jaro is out. Oh, okay. Jaro, what a good guy. Yeah. He played yeah. the drums on Phoenix Rising and stuff. Yeah, we played in Australia. We played with Nocturnal Grays and Ian. I used to live uh, in a house with Destroyer 666. In well, that must have been it. That must be full of all kinds of stories. I, I used to live in a house for about eight, seven months in Holland. Um, in 2003 or four. I used to live on Ian's, the floor of Ian, Ian, Ian from uh, Nocturnal Graves and Destroyer, his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Anyway, that's a story. That's a story for uh, you. Then, then you know what? There's no way you could get COVID at this oh, point. No, that that's a story for another day. I, I think, but um, yeah, it's um, but the idea that um, this tiny set of people can somehow go, okay, this is how it's going to be uh, for the next five, ten years, and uh, we're going to. How do you give tens of millions of people purpose? Um, I, oh, sorry. What I was saying is I went to Naples, yeah. right? You go to Naples and you go to this ancient historic city. You're going walking down these tiny streets and you realize there's tiny family businesses. There is historical, socio-cultural mm -hmm. um, lineage of that hist uh, city goes back thousands. Right. Of it's years. not just monetary transactions. Yeah. It's not I, just it, uh, it's, you know, commerce. It's a huge society that's interlinked for thousands of years. And what the reset is considering is, hey, can you just uproot all of that and dump it over here? And now none of that matters. It's like saying to Irish society, hey, by the way, the last 2000 years to doesn't really matter anymore. Your culture, your civilization, this is in its most extreme analysis. It's basically saying all of the things you knew that defined your city, state, culture, folklore, um, music, whatever, whatever you want, don't mean anything anymore. So moving ahead, can you just park your entire history of, of, of your of, of your culture. And so now let's move ahead, stay inside, do what you're told, etc. And you think to yourself, right. okay, I'm being very simplistic and you know jingoistic about my interpretation of that and a bit fast and loose with that. But in a way you're going, wow, really you want 457 yeah, well, million people in the Eurozone yeah. to go, okay, we'll just stay inside and do nothing. It's not so even necessarily all that, it's not that, I mean, but isn't it's not that, that jingoistic? It's not that jingoistic in that. No, but it's really civil war, like really, isn't it? Well, of course, and, and truly, you think you, you're asking a question. It's like, well, you're saying that your program could could deliver all the things that people need. That is such a deep statement, right there. I mean, yeah, to be honest, I mean, people keep it. People have, uh, the, you know, you can go find any mainstream source to to have a piece on the problem with the. Colonialize the colonial colonization and the drawing of borders within the continent of Africa. Okay, now you're going to say that and if, longitude if, and if, latitude. If, yeah, yeah. If that's a problem, some giant overarching world government is going to now extract everything of, of material out of out of this place and and somehow provide for every single completely different and and different uh, and spread apart tribe all across Africa. And now that, I mean, it's the same idea. Like you can't just, it, it involves uprooting everything about who a people are and that's what they do and where they've come from, you know? That's I mean, interesting. So what you're saying is, I haven't thought about it like that in the sense that the aspirations of, let's call them the Davos set are in the sense, um, almost colonial in a sense that it doesn't give any uh, thought to the local tribalisms when you're just dividing up. Correct, because to them, having, having, I'm sure even to them, having any tribal belief in, let's say, 
Anansi or any other classic African deities, oh, that's that's just garbage and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know we, we, we can treat that as irrelevant and yet it's not irrelevant to that person. It's not irrelevant yeah, yeah. to to the the uh, uh, the Asagai, uh, you know, the people that use the Asagai spears for hunting and have a whole tradition. I mean, you know, it, well, you could, oh, that's just a thing. You Why use spears anymore when you've got, but you know what? It isn't just about the thing. There's so much, you know, that spear, who knows? It, maybe it came down from a, from a great relative. Uh, maybe that spear to that person is, it's like, it's, it's a, the spear is not just the object anymore to a person who has a, a livelihood that incorporates this item. And it's, it, it, it doesn't have to be a spear. It could be all kinds of things, you know? And they're they're deeper and more important, and they carry with them something that even if I didn't relate or entirely understand, it didn't derive from. Uh, it's not something of my life's journey, but to that person's life journey, yeah. this is everything. And and to take that away from from anybody, or to diminish this into just a materialistic view of what the thing is, destroys what's important to to a person. I agree, and I think that that's what makes me skeptical of the idea of this of what's happening as a a, a sort of umbrella globalist uh you know plot whatever you want to call it but i also but what but I, because there's so many moving so many moving parts but what i also think about the imposition of the terms of this um situation that we're in it's basically is it is it i've been arguing this with my friend is this telling irish people hey your history doesn't matter to this point from here on in this is what you do now. Um, forget mm. all of these things. And do you do that in Spain, in Italy? Do you go, yeah. hey, forget Franco, forget your Spanish Civil War, forget like it basically the idea that the 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 set of this one percent can go to the whole of the European Union and go, hey, Estonia, doesn't matter about your history. Hey, Greece, yeah, we get it, but forget about it. From now on in, stay inside, remote living. Yeah. No more uh, Zybon, uh, whatever. The, only fans, black... just yeah. get, get your only fans going or fan, whatever it is, fans, uh, whatever. Yeah, but so my point is like, surely it's the greatest overreach in in our in our in our culture because it's it's saying to everyone fundamentally, and I, I think it, the realization is slowly moving to people if it's in its maybe most, if it's in, if it's in its most malign state that like oh this. If this is how we live like this, then none of the things that mattered to us before matter now. I, if no one can stand on a stage, there's no art that isn't that isn't validated by the state. There's no comedy. There's no theater. There's no nothing of the things that you like. They don't happen. You don't dance with a stranger, as I said to my friend, and she had an almost fit. You know, when I said, "Hey, you know, under lockdown, you don't dance with a stranger," she's just like. She never really thought about it. That you try to uh, celebrate yeah. the argument, but it just seems like the greatest overreach. Uh, I don't. Know. What the fuck are we talking? Well, about? yeah. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? I don't know. I don't know. And let's leave it there. Who the fuck knows what we're talking about? Who knows? None of us do. We're just floating in the ether. We're just floating in the ether. A combination of atoms trying to sense make. Anyway, there you go. Episode 2, Part 2 of the Chat with Josh Barnett. Until next time, my friends, Planet Satan over and out, metal never bends. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.